From UA Little Rock Public Radio, this is The Art Scene. I'm Daniel Breen. The pandemic has left audiences worldwide starved for live performance. And likewise, performers have been left without an outlet to share their passion and their creativity. But while working within the confines of social distancing and public health guidelines, artists have found new ways to reach their audience, whether it's online concerts, outdoor shows, we're simply adapting the existing performance space to fit the new normal in which we all live. The dancers of Ballet Arkansas and the musicians of the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra have a new way to let all that pent-up creativity out. Their outdoor performance, called First Round, will bring two of Little Rock's preeminent performing arts organizations together for city dwellers to enjoy free of charge. The show features performances choreographed to three works of music, Last Round by Osvaldo Golijov, The Adagio for Strings by Samuel Barber, and Magic Box by Augusta Reed Thomas. Five of Ballet Arkansas's dancers will perform in the open-air concert in downtown Little Rock. The ballet's associate artistic director, Catherine Fothergill, returns to the art scene to tell us about the groundbreaking program. She's joined by one of the ballet's dancers, Hannah Bradshaw, who was also instrumental in choreographing the show. The show runs on November 15th, and reservations can be made beginning Monday, November 9th. First of all, first round, that is, that is what is on the table today, what we're going to be discussing. I guess, uh, where did the name for that come from? What does that mean? So the symphony and the ballet really went back and forth to find a title. Uh, one of the pieces, uh, one of the three works is titled Last Round by Osvaldo Golijov. And so we liked the idea of first round being the first time that we you know, not the first time we've collaborated, but the first time in this new environment, and that it would potentially be our hope to be the first of many artistic collaborations uh, with many different partners um, to provide the arts to the community in new and innovative ways. So we kind of landed on first round, and uh, and that's where it where it fell. You mentioned it's not the first collaboration with the the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra. Certainly a different one, though. Um, I guess, how, do, how are the conversations about uh, joining forces? When did those start? And uh, I guess, what, what was the impetus behind that, essentially? Right. So we knew that our traditional Nutcracker Spectacular at the Robinson Center wouldn't be possible just because of the sheer numbers of people that we have, both as performers and musicians, as well as audience members. So we'd already started some discussions about how could we work together. And then the City of Little Rock and an Art Place grant came about, uh, which provided an opportunity to perform in downtown Little Rock with different uh, collaborators. And the minute we saw that opportunity, we jumped uh, on a Zoom together and said, what can we do? Can we make this work uh, with all of the interesting factors that we have um, to deal with? And it's only been about a month that we've had to put this concert together. So it's been a really quick turnaround, um, especially with all the new variables uh, that we have 
and I guess I would just ask then, um, Hannah, because you, you've worked on the choreography with this, uh, I was told, uh, I guess because you are working with the symphony, uh, which, you know, normally ballet does accompany classical music, but it, it is a live sort of, and a live orchestra and an opportunity also to uh, play new works. I guess, what, what are you looking for as a choreographer and a dancer sort of from a, a composition? Are there certain things, certain uh, types of music that just lend themselves naturally to go along well with ballet? I mean, yes, ballet dancers usually enjoy music with straight counts through, so we like to be able to hear the easy notes to follow, um, but that doesn't always inspire choreography. So we, I mean, I personally just look for something that is interesting to me. And so I think the three pieces that have been chosen for this show are all like, they've been cool to choreograph to, and they're all very different. The um, Golijov's last round is a fun, like, I want to call it sassy, but that doesn't feel right. It's very fierce kind of music. It's, it's fun to dance to. And then um, Barbara's Adagio for strings is uh, more slow. It takes the pace down. We uh, do different movements for that one. And then um, Augusta Reed Thomas Magic Box is uh, just, that one's the one we've been working on this week. And it's kind of, hard for me to choreograph to. Personally, I, I feel like it's not something that I would have chosen for myself, but I've loved the challenge of it. And I've really started to enjoy, like the more I hear the music, the more I hear more notes in it. And I sort of sink deeper into the music. It's been a cool process. And that piece in particular, what I find interesting is that it was composed with the uh, with dance in mind. The composer wanted it to have movement and choreography to it, but we are actually the first ballet company to have the opportunity to put that dance to the music. So um, I think that's a really unique opportunity um, and it's something that we've been able to coordinate through the symphony and also kind of speak with those composers to make sure that uh, it falls in line with their vision as well. So we're collaborating with all different types of artists, um, but all three pieces were selected by the symphony um, to suit some of the conditions that they're facing as well. So they're strings and percussionists. Um, and we selected five dancers out of our company of 15 so that it would be a little bit easier to navigate the social distance thing and uh, the mask wearing. Um, but that's also something that may be a little different for the choreographers is that that music was already selected and they worked within it versus them having the opportunity to um, pick out of any domain uh, work that's available. Right, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated by the, the magic box. I haven't heard that. That's the only piece uh, in, your, in the program I haven't actually listened to. Um, and it, it is very interesting that you say, you know, it's written for dance, but that it's, uh, Hannah, like you were saying, it's such a challenge to choreograph to that. Um, yeah, I, I guess if you could just describe what it is about that, that both lends itself to dance, but also makes it sort of a sort of difficult to to dance to. Well, for me personally, it is difficult because there's so many um, uh, changes to it. It's a lot of um, fast and quick and then slow and then um, just 
as a choreographer, I enjoy doing that, but it's hard to like anticipate everything. I keep rehearsing by myself because we're socially distanced right now. Um, and so I'm in my house rehearsing and I hear the music and I think I'm, it's gonna do what I think. And then I'm like doing my moves and then it stops and I'm like, I messed it up. It's my own fault. But <laughs> that's what makes it difficult. It's just a technical dancing problem. The music is very beautiful. And I feel like um, the three choreographers that have worked on this, because we have three company dancers, um, myself, Paul Tillman and Matt Larson, who have all choreographed for this and we've split up the pieces between us. I think we all, we were all a little bit thrown at the beginning for the magic box. And the more we dance to it, the better it gets. So it kind of seems like uh, because you're starting with sort of a, a frenetic piece and then you're going to the, the Barber Adagio, which is so slow. It's kind of like the, the finale is like a mix between the two almost. A little bit, and I feel like all three have very different feelings for me. I'm a, like a character person, and so I've imagined different characters for all three. <laughs> That's really interesting. What what characters are you imagining for for all three pieces? Um, I'm just imagining like uh, for last round, imagining like a strong, doesn't take anything from anyone, dancer. Girl, um, and then um, for the Adagio, I actually imagined that one as Swan Lake, and I don't know what happened there, but mm -hmm. I was listening to the music and I was like, I am a swan. Um, and I can then, see some of that influence <laughs> in your choreography. That's where I came from with that. Um, and then Magic Box, it felt, it feels like a carnival. So there's a section in it that I choreographed um, that I'm calling the like, uh, funhouse mirror section. It's just um, like I really enjoy it and it's um, I can't describe it you have to come see. It's cool it's me and then a couple other dancers and they're mirroring me and it's all it's interesting. I hope it works. It sounds very cool I'm sure people will be definitely giving people a reason to go now to go see the <laughs> funhouse mirror section. Um, <laughs> yeah and I mean it must just be uh, I don't know. It, it, I mean, you're probably trained to do this, but it seems like it would be challenging to, one, to choreograph for something as the fierce, as you called it, as last round, and then immediately shift to something that's like almost kind of sad, but also so beautiful as the Barber Adagio, but also just as a dancer to go between fast, slow, then slow and fast. Like, that must be, I don't know. Are, are you worried about that at all? <laughs> well, I think it'll be difficult when we uh, perform it with live music, because live performance always has that, um, the, the musicians are amazing and they're feeling the music and things change from the one recording we've been rehearsing with. And so I'm interested to see how that translates um, as a performance. Right, I think that's the beauty of live performance and um we always enjoy those dress rehearsals so we can <laughs> pick up on any nuances that may be different with a live um, music. But um, yeah, the dancers are definitely trained to fluctuate between uh, different styles and different movement uh, qualities. But I would say that I think it's interesting to see 
three choreographers that are also not choreographing on just other dancers. They are choreographing for themselves as well. So knowing their strengths and knowing what they would be interested in doing has, you know, affected the way that they are creating. And um, especially after such a long time where we were at home and not able to be in the studio, I think it's um, really, uh, there's, they're very alive uh, in their movement. Yeah, it really does seem like because, you know, obviously the live performances and things like what the ballet does and what the symphony does have been sort of put on hold for the past. It seems like you guys have just been sort of building up, like waiting to get all of this mm -hmm. out. It's it's kind of like a, just with the music and the, the choreography, I expect to go along with it. It's sort of like an opportunity to just showcase the entire range of both the orchestra and the dancers. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess I, I was just wondering, because it must be different uh, with a, a live orchestra accompanying you, not just from the choreography, choreography is how you pronounce that, and the, uh, <laughs> just the, the visual product, I guess, that you'll have there. Um, I guess, how much does that, and also really the setting, because you'll be outdoors, you'll be in downtown Little Rock, how much do all of those factors really in influence your interpretation of the works and how the performance, the performance itself will look? Well, I know in terms of, we definitely have those things in mind or in the initial onset. Um, so we talk about, okay, this is what your floor is gonna be like. You know, it is, we are laying your Marley floor down, but it is outside and so it may be a little bit colder Marley or, um, you know, here's what type of costumes we're gonna build based on the mural that's behind you. Um, so in terms of, those details, we do talk that through uh, in advance. And I'll let Hannah maybe jump in on the choreographic side. Yes, so I mean, we knew that it was gonna be outdoors. And so we were thinking, how, how cold are we gonna be? How, how is the floor gonna be different? What shoes do we have to wear based on the floor and the conditions? And how much jumping do we wanna do since it's on concrete or on um, asphalt out on a parking lot. And so do we want to um, throw ourselves into it? And really, I haven't been able to hold myself back because I'm so excited to be back in the studio and dancing. And like some of the rehearsals have been as a group very in our masks and safely, but it's honestly, those have been the greatest time. And so all of us talking together about what the plans have been and um, just, I feel like I've been inspired again. So because of that, I feel like I haven't taken the conditions into account as much as I should have in the choreography. And we'll see if things have to change on the fly because you never know what's gonna happen in a live outdoor performance. But hopefully we have as much information as we can right now and we've, adapted. Currently the weather looks sunny and 60 so we are we are crossing our fingers for those perfect conditions uh, for everyone to to come and see the performance. Yeah absolutely I, I was just wondering when you're you're both talking about that like if if it is cold I mean you know ballet outfits are traditionally not very warm like is there, <laughs> is there do you have any options for something that's warm and doesn't like restrict your <laughs> 
Oh, there are options. Um, you know, for instance, if we add a thicker legging instead of um, the mesh tights or, um, you know, long sleeves, you can do different types of unitards that can layer. Um, but at the same time, we, we don't want to cover up their instruments. Um, so we looked for something that uh, was kind of a middle ground. Uh, we've got some dance sneakers as well as ballet shoes, depending on what the floor ends up uh, looking like so they're they're ready for those kinds of changes but um, you know they also get pretty warm once they dive in so it's mainly the standing and waiting ahead of time um, for them I know that once they get moving they'll feel probably more comfortable than the audience so they'll definitely need to bring blankets if you're <laughs> if it is cold out there and uh, I guess I would just ask about this setting how did you did, uh, was that just a conversation between the symphony and the ballet on on where to actually have this Yes, so we are, our main street studio for the ballet is actually right around the corner from this best park parking lot where the Matt McLeod mural is. And we see it almost every day when we come to work and it's a beautiful, vibrant representation of experiencing art um, in a setting that maybe you wouldn't expect it. Um, and Matt McLeod was one of our neighbors previously. Um, so we just discussed what areas of downtown provide enough space for both the symphony and the ballet to be there as well as have a patron base. Um, and then we reached out to Best Park and they generously donated the lot um, to us to facilitate this opportunity. to the art scene from UA Little Rock Public Radio, I'm Daniel Breen. We're speaking with Catherine Fothergill, Associate Artistic Director of Ballet Arkansas, joined by dancer and choreographer Hannah Bradshaw. They're previewing the ballet's open-air concert in collaboration with the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra titled First Round. The show takes place in downtown Little Rock on Sunday, November 15th at 3 p.m., and reservations will open Monday, November the 9th. You were talking to me a little before we started, Catherine, just about the uh, challenges and uh, uh, things that you all have had to do to adapt to COVID-19, of course. Uh, and one thing that I had no idea about was rehearsals. Like rehearsals are not obviously happening in the same way that they had been for probably, you know, both of your professional lives. Um, so I guess I, I, if you could both share your experiences, like what, what's been different, what have you had to overcome, what's been good maybe about, about rehearsing in the time of COVID? So yes, absolutely. Everything is pretty much you know, restructured and different. We have a health check app that the dancers will log into every day. And if they get a green light, um, it's all HIPAA compliant, then they're allowed to come to work. Um, but at the same time, we are in pods. So they're broken into three pods for the season and we'll bring in small groups at a time, um, masked, socially distanced. Um, we've updated our HVAC systems, all of the protocols that, um, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, but in particular with something like this, it's interesting because we'll have some dancers in the studio, some working from home. We'll be using virtual uh, Zoom platforms to bring them all together in one setting. And then we kind of go on a rotation basis so that some of them, you know, they can each get into the studio uh, for as much time as we can possibly give them. Um, but it's 
I would say certainly a little bit more heavy on the front end of planning and making sure that all of these details um, are are squared away. I'll say from a, a dancer perspective, we've been so, the three choreographers and the other two dancers involved, Megan and Belle, um, are just in contact constantly. <laughs> we've been in our own rehearsals, in our own houses, and then we'll text each other for this section, which side are you entering on, upstage or downstage, so we don't run into each other. When we eventually get to rehearse all together, we know exactly where everyone's going to be. And so like, for me, I have to take notes and have like, I have a Google document open for myself of just where people are going to be at which time and which time stamp in the song do I enter. And it's just a lot of planning. And I'm glad that we're working together very well as a group, like everyone's doing their part to help plan and make sure that we're going to be in the right places so that when we do get to rehearse and we do get to perform, it's all going to work perfectly. Yeah. And I think the silver lining in terms of the rehearsal potentially would just be that, you know, we are appreciating every moment we get to work together and to experience, um, you know, we are a creative organization. The arts are used to being nimble and crafty. Um, so this is not, you know, that aspect of it is not new for us. It's certainly very different than, you know, what we've become accustomed to kind of just going on auto, autopilot for certain um, components. But I do think that we have all truly enjoyed having the opportunity to create again and cannot wait to get in front of, um, patrons that we know are also, you know, craving um, that live performance that, you know, we've done a lot of virtual, a lot of broadcasting, we've stayed relevant through a lot of other means, um, but this is such an important piece of the artistic puzzle um, that we are devoted to maintaining throughout the season and in the future. Yeah, and I guess uh, then I would just ask, what is the takeaway or the message that you want people to to come away from this performance with when they're when they're seeing you up on the stage after so long what I guess what what lessons do you guys hope to learn or what do you what do you hope the viewing public learns from this well I hope that they thoroughly enjoy the performance of course um, and in their own ways in the ways that they need and want to experience um, you know we always we, we enjoy collaboration, but it's not always possible to bring two organizations together that have their own schedules and seasons planned. Um, so I think it's a, a very special treat um, for that first time that we're getting out there since the pandemic to be a collaboration between visual art and music and dance. Yeah, I just think live performance is so important. If you go and you see a live um, symphony or ballet or I mean, go and see an art exhibit, anything that is right there in front of you is gonna feel different than watching it through a screen. And yes, that's a different aspect of art, but I, I personally feel like live ballet is just so exciting to watch a dancer run and jump and not know how they're gonna land and not know where they're gonna be next, it's just, the coolest experience. And I just hope that people will come out and have a new experience and be inspired. 
do either of you do you sort of feel like a, a newfound appreciation to it like i mentioned earlier just you know you're chomping at the bit to get out there and do that or has that sort of translated into a new not saying that you're not passionate already but like a new passion or a new uh a, a reinvigoration of your your love for dance it's definitely of an invigorating moment of just we're back in the studio we're back dancing it's I personally have been in my house for a very long time, dancing, very small. <laughs> um, and so just being in the studio and being um, able to collaborate with my friends and dancing together again, I forgot how much I love that. And it can be difficult, but it can be amazing. Yeah. They the community, I think, is something within, you know, the family of Valley, Arkansas, within the artistic community, within our Arkansas community, the national, that that sense is a very important part of um, sharing experiences with one another. And um, I think that it is, it is something that we knew we missed and we um, wanted to have again, um, but until you really get to dive back into uh, being a part of that experience, it, it it's maybe sweeter than it even we thought it would be. Yeah, well, then I would just ask, what's next? What is, uh, how are you all going to channel this, uh, this newfound appreciation, I guess you could call it, for, uh, for dance and for performance? Uh, what, what can we hope to expect from the Valley coming up? So we have a lot of projects coming up, in particular in the fall, um, from working with the Arkansas Arts Center on an experience that is a virtual um, scenes and vignettes of the Land of the Sweets from the Nutcracker, which is gonna be in December. Um, so we're working with a lot of different partners, um, doing many virtual experiences, as well as open air collaborations. Um, and looking into the spring, we hope to do that same thing, as well as um, have more production-based performances that um, really we're just looking for any way that we can uh, be out in the community and be online, be as accessible as possible, um, and work with as many people as possible. So we will be around, but maybe in ways that people don't expect. Was there anything that you think I uh, missed? I didn't let you guys talk about anything you wanted to add? I don't believe so. The only you know, other component, I don't know if it's important to note that it is free to the public, um, but it is something that providing these types of collaborations um, is right now through the support of our patrons um, and through contributed income, as we haven't had the opportunity to uh, have our indoor performances. So if people are able to make a donation to the Ballet, to Ballet Arkansas or the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, um, that makes a large difference in our ability to continue these types of collaborations. Uh, Hannah, any parting words? Um, I hope that people will come out and safely enjoy this performance from Ballet Arkansas. It's going to be a good one. Thank you guys so much. I, I really appreciated uh, talking to you today. Thank you for having us.
was Catherine Fothergill, Associate Artistic Director of Ballet Arkansas. She was joined by dancer and choreographer Hannah Bradshaw, speaking about the ballet's upcoming collaboration with the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, titled First Round. The open-air concert is set for Sunday, November 15th in downtown Little Rock. Reservations will open on Monday, November 9th. And that's our show for this week. Please tune in next week at the same time. I'm Daniel Brain, and the art scene is a presentation of UA Little Rock Public Radio. Thank you.